Welcome in, everybody. Episode 6, College Football Betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody is having a great week. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, morning, evening, night, whenever you're listening. Hope you're all doing well. This is College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. We are headed into week four of the college football season. Really a fun time to be a college football fan because I do believe we are really starting to get a feel for who these teams are, what they're like, what they do well, what they don't do well, and we're not solely relying on what happened last season to kind of formulate our opinions on these teams. We will get to week four slate in a minute. First of all, this is the second episode of the week. As I've told you the last couple episodes, we are officially at two episodes per week. Monday, the look-ahead lines, we get the, the lines late Sunday, early Monday, First reaction to the lines, um, you know, and then this Thursday episode going forward is going to be the much deeper dive. We have more time to look at injuries. We have more time to look at scouting reports. We have much more time to look at weather, all of the things that factor into your bets. So this will be our second episode of the week. And quickly, I just want to thank you guys for your continued support of college football betting with Aaron Torres. The numbers essentially go up every single episode and have gone up every single episode since this show launched. So thank you again. If you think think there's a friend, family member, whatever, uh, that is would be interested in a show like this, please make sure to send it along to them. And that's really about it. Make sure you're subscribed. I tell you that every episode, Spotify, Apple, uh, Amazon Music, Google Music, whatever. YouTube, we have launched a YouTube page, so make sure to find us there. And if you are interested in my picks, AaronTorresOnline.com is where you can find them every Wednesday afternoon. I post them. Uh, but again, Goal of this show is not to force my picks on you, but if you are interested in what I like going into the weekend, uh, that is where you can find it. Week four, college football. As I said, we're starting to get to know these teams, so let's jump right into it, and let's start with Wisconsin-Notre Dame. Wisconsin-Notre Dame, matchup of top 20 opponents. The line opened at four and a half. It is now up to six and a half, and with really good reason. Wisconsin is a really good team. I should mention, Wisconsin is the six-and-a-half-point favorite, not Notre Dame. Notre Dame is obviously a very public team, but there is a very good reason that Wisconsin is favored in this game. First of all, their strength on offense goes directly against Notre Dame's weakness on defense. Wisconsin runs the ball really well. They've basically been running the ball really well as long as time itself, as long as I've been watching college football, Wisconsin has been known as a running team. This year is no different. They rank 10th nationally in rushing yardage, 266 yards per game. They've only played two games, but it's not like they haven't played a good team in Penn State, one of the elite defenses in college football. And Wisconsin was able to run the ball right at them. You know, change that with Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame not stopping the ball very well, if you remember. They gave up six, 264 yards rushing against Florida State. Not sure if you heard. Florida State ain't very good this year, people. We'll talk plenty of Florida State later. But Notre Dame in this season is really struggling to stop the run. 75th nationally in rushing defense, allowing over four and a half yards, right around, right under, I should say, four and a half yards per rush. So 75th nationally in rushing defense. And then in terms of uh, yards per rush, Notre Dame is 92nd nationally, giving up 4.32 yards per carry to the opposition. With that said, before you rush to the window and throw all your money, your life savings on Wisconsin, it is worth noting a few things. Um, one, by the way, I should mention in terms of why Wisconsin is favored, it's exactly what I said. Um, you know, the rushing game, the run game goes against Notre Dame's weakness. Also from there, it is worth mentioning as well, Wisconsin's defense is awesome. 
I talked about it a little bit on the show on Monday, but this is a defense that has always been good historically. It is no different this year as Wisconsin once again. Number two in total defense. Uh, in terms of scoring defense, they are also uh, towards the top of the country in that category, uh, giving up very few yards per, uh, very few scores per game, I should say. Uh, scoring defense, again, number 11 nationally, under 12 points per game. And so, again, that is why Wisconsin is favored in this game and why the number keeps going up. Their offensive strength goes against Notre Dame's defensive weakness. And then from there, uh, Wisconsin's defense is playing really well. There is one concern, though, and a couple things that I, I, you know, again, the only goal is to get you the best information possible. And so there are some things, if you want to bet Wisconsin, that I at least want you to be aware of. One, Graham Mertz. I'm telling you, it's no disrespect to the kid. I don't wish him any ill will. This is not me trying to tear him down. He hasn't been very good, though. He won the job last year, got a lot of hype. Obviously, he beat out Jack Cohn, who he's going to be facing this week for Notre Dame. But he beats out Jack Cohn. And when he wins the job, it's this big heralded thing. You know, the athlete, everybody's writing articles about him. I believe he was the highest ranked quarterback recruit in the history of recruiting rankings. And he hasn't been very good since the first game. First game he plays against Illinois. This was last year during the COVID season. So it was late in the year because the Big Ten started so late. Throws for five touchdowns, zero interceptions. And everybody is hailing him as the next great quarterback in the history of quarterback play. Just one problem. The rest of last season... Four touchdowns, five interceptions in the subsequent five games for Wisconsin last year. Zero touchdowns, two interceptions this year. So five touchdowns in his opening game, zero interceptions. Since then, four touchdowns and seven interceptions, including zero touchdowns and two interceptions this year. And so if you want to bet on Wisconsin, not telling you what to do, just be wary. This guy, at some point, people are going to make him beat them, and right now he has not shown an ability to do so. I would also add, as it pertains to Wisconsin, never forget that Penn State game. Uh, if you listen to this show from episode one, I had Wisconsin in that game, and I had the under. And the reason I had Wisconsin was because I did put faith in Graham Mertz. Uh, but the thing that cost Wisconsin that game, they gave up a bunch of plays deep. Again, I've, told, I've used the stat many times, but Penn State, 150 yards of their, one, of their 250 came on three plays. And so Wisconsin was exposed with the deep ball, and that is something also to consider when thinking about this game. Graham Mertz hasn't been as good as people think, and also in terms of the Wisconsin defense, worth noting they did give up a few big plays deep. You wonder, Jack Cohn, you know, I'm not a, you know, I played football at the high school level. I never played in college. How much Jack Cohn really knows about the Wisconsin playbook, how much they're adding to the playbook, uh, that's not something I could really speak to. That's more of like a Cole Kublick, Greg McElroy, um, Joel Klatt, Kirk Herbstreet type question. But you got to think that Jack Cohn is going to be fired up to play his former team. Not telling you how to bet. I am just saying it does feel like just about everybody really likes Wisconsin in the game. Be wary of Graham Mertz if that's who you're going to take. Other big game, Texas A&M, Arkansas. Old Southwest Conference rivalry. A lot of good games in this rivalry. And it's really interesting. Talked about it on Monday's show. But it's so funny because when I first, when this game first came back in the early, you know, 2010s, Arkansas had Bobby Petrino. They were the team that just rolled over everybody except for Bama, you know, and they were a really good program. And it was just interesting because AM was the team that they couldn't get out of their own way under Mike Sherman. 
Then Kevin Sumlin comes in, Johnny Manziel comes in, AM really takes over this rivalry. And to Sam Pittman's credit, this was a competitive game last year when he took over. And I think it's fair to say this is probably the most balanced that the two teams have been in a very long time in terms of what we can expect going into this game on Saturday at Jerry World. I think everybody knows, but it is a neutral site game where this will be played. What's interesting? AM. AM has an elite defense. They actually are number one in the country in scoring defense. They've given up 17 total points, uh, 10 to Colorado, 7 to Colorado, 10 to Kent State, but they are the number one scoring defense in all of college football, giving up fewer points than anybody in the country. Um, and then also they're in the top 10 nationally in total defense. If I didn't mention it, by the way, AM opened as a six-point favorite. It's down to five and a half. The over-under at 47 in this game. But it all comes down to Texas AM. It all comes down to that defense, number one scoring defense in college football, number nine total defense. Here's something that's really interesting, though, as it pertains to this game for me. AM top 10 nationally, scoring defense, total defense. They are 86th nationally in rushing defense. So they're giving up a ton of yards on the ground, even though they're not giving up a lot of points. Gave up 226 yards rushing to Kent State, 171 yards rushing to Colorado. Well, why is that interesting? The one thing Arkansas does really well, they run the ball right at you. They got that Sam Pittman mentality, that Sam Pittman mindset, toughness, physicality. They obviously just ran right at Texas, 333 yards rushing against Texas. And then even last week, 264 yards rushing against Georgia Southern. I know Georgia Southern's not a real team, but I only bring it up to say Arkansas runs the ball really well. And so far, Texas A&M, while they have not given up a lot of points, has been unable to stop the run. And so again, it's kind of the Wisconsin-Notre Dame thing where Arkansas's strength offensively goes directly against A&M's weakness defensively. Uh, now, as far as the other side of the ball, Listen, this is the game where we learn a little bit about Zach Calzada, right? Zach Calzada was the backup, nearly won the job in fall camp. Uh, Haynes King gets hurt against Colorado. Not really fair to judge him. I actually thought he played pretty well down the stretch in that game. Uh, final two drives were essentially scoring drives. The, the, the first non-scoring drive, he fumbled the ball into the end zone for a safety. He was going in for a score. And then the second drive, he, he scored the game winner. And so he looked much better against New Mexico last week. New Mexico is a very bad team. But hey, I don't criticize teams uh, for winning games they're supposed to in the manner in which they are. And AM dominated New Mexico 134 nothing. So ultimately, what this game will come down to, as I said on Monday, it's going to come down to which quarterback makes fewer mistakes, which quarterback makes bigger plays, and who is the difference at the quarterback position. We know Arkansas wants to run the ball. We know AM wants to run the ball. And it'll be interesting from Zach Calzada's perspective, can he get the ball to his playmakers, uh, basically like he did last week in the win over New Mexico. Isaiah Spiller, 117 yards rushing. Um, uh, you know, a couple different guys have big receiving games. Caleb Chapman's back. Jalen Wademeyer had uh, four catches. Anaya Smith, two catches. So is Zach Calzada able to get the ball to his skill position guys, and are they able to do what they have to do? And then it's the same thing for K.J. Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson hasn't been super efficient this year, um, you know, hasn't completed a high percentage of his passes, but you know what? He's 3-0 and as a starter, um, you know, and he isn't turning the ball over. He's taking care of the ball, especially the last few weeks against Texas and Georgia Southern. Very curious to see how this game goes down, but to me, this feels like the game 
where both coaches take the ball out of their quarterback's hands, try to make plays between the tackles, try to burn the clock, try to not get into a shootout, going to be a fascinating game between these two teams. Let's quickly hit on a couple other SEC games. We'll take a quick break. Uh, first one, Florida-Tennessee. First of all, said it on Monday's show, this was the great rivalry of my childhood. Uh, but this line's really interesting because it opened at Florida minus 20. I wrote my picks article Wednesday afternoon, and I'm recording here Wednesday night about 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's down to Florida minus 18 and a half, over under set at 63. And so there's money coming in on, a &A, or on Tennessee, and I think it's with good reason. You know, first of all, Tennessee, I give Josh Heupel a lot of credit. Now, I never understood. I watch a lot of college football. Obviously, it goes without saying. If you listen to this show, you could probably tell I watch a ton of college football. But, you know, with, 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 with Josh Heupel, I didn't really understand how, why Hendon Hooker. Let me, let me backtrack. The reason I say I watch a lot of college football. Tennessee took two transfer quarterbacks this offseason. Hendon Hooker from Virginia Tech, Joe Milton from Michigan. And I didn't understand how Hendon, Hendon Hooker did not win the starting quarterback job coming out of fall camp. I thought he was the better player. I thought he was more dynamic. Joe Milton wins the job, though. But we see what happened against Pitt. A lot of overthrows. Again, not saying he's a bad kid, but just thought that Hendon Hooker gave Tennessee a better chance to win. And Hendon Hooker was inserted against Pitt, played last week against Tennessee Tech, and was awesome. And right now he has a 5-1 to one touchdown interception ratio. He's averaging 6 yards per carry. And I think he's a dynamic player. He's not elite. Most of it was Tennessee Tech. I will say that. Uh, but I think he is the better fit at that quarterback spot. And I think he can make enough plays both with his feet and with his arm. He's more accurate than Joe Milton. I think he has a chance to make more plays and keep Tennessee more competitive in a lot of these games that they're playing. Also worth noting, let's give Tennessee a little bit of credit here. Tennessee... Uh, through three games, and I know they haven't played basically anybody. They struggled against Pitt, 41 points they gave up. But Tennessee Tech, Bowling Green took care of business. Right now, Tennessee has a top 20 defense nationally and the number five rush defense in the country. So I'm not saying they played anybody. I'm not saying they're beating Florida in the swamp at night. But it is worth noting they're playing real defense over there, which is incredible given all of the defensive personnel that they lost via the transfer portal when Jeremy Pruitt was fired. Henry Toto, who's now at uh, Alabama, Quivarius Couch, who's now at Michigan State. You go on and on down the list. They lost a ton of guys. Uh, cornerback that's now at Oklahoma. I'm blanking on the name off the top of my head. They lost a ton of guys, and they're, they're making plays. Here's the other thing to consider when betting this game. One, Tennessee's rush defense has been good. I don't know if that's just a reflection of the opposition. But two, a couple things with Florida. One, Florida fans, I was wrong about them. They are a better team than I gave them credit for. Uh, I did pick Alabama first half and the over last week, so it worked out well for me. But Florida was a team that probably should have won that Alabama game. If they shouldn't have won, they could have won. I don't think anybody would argue they were the better team over the final three quarters. I don't think anybody would argue that if the game somehow went to overtime, they had all the momentum. So I like Florida as a team. But it is worth noting, they run the ball so much. First of all, the quarterback situation, Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson, Dan Mullen says he believes Anthony Richardson will be able to play this week. We will see with that. He said the same thing in the lead-up to last week's game against Alabama, and he did not play a single snap. Um, but with Anthony Richardson, whether he plays or not, I do think there's a couple things to consider with Florida in this game. Not telling you how to bet, just want to get you the best information possible. The first thing, Florida runs the ball so much, I think it's going to be hard for them to cover 
big numbers this year, okay? So they were about a 29-point favorite a few weeks ago against South Florida. They put up almost 700 yards of offense, and they won by 22 points. And it's because, again, when you run the ball so much, we all know football. You wouldn't be listening to this show if you didn't. When you run the ball that much, uh, you're going to give up a lot of play. You're going to uh, move the chains, but you're going to keep the clock moving in the process. And so because of it, um, I, you know, I, I think that's something to consider in this game. The other thing to consider with Florida, the body blow effect of playing Alabama and then vice versa also something to consider the mental effect of nearly beating Alabama in the swamp. Dan Mullen even said this week, like, uh, you know, I got to make sure that my guys stay focused. We can't let one loss turn into two. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said about his team and about this game. So something to consider this line, the money's coming in on Tennessee. Um, and it's something to consider as Florida has to play their second uh, marquee game. It's going to be tough to get these guys fired up. I know it's a night game. I know it's the swamp. I know to many of you, we all think of Tennessee, Florida as this incredible rivalry. But to these kids, they wanted Bama. They got Bama last week. They almost beat Bama. Can you get them focused for a second straight week? All right, this one I want to do. Take a quick break. Come back, we'll wrap on the SEC games, LSU, Mississippi State, Kentucky, South Carolina. Get to some other games across college football. Your boy Torres, taking a quick break. I will be right back. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I missed you guys. Hope everybody, uh, you know, stayed busy during that six seconds that I was gone. But it is good to be back. I am happy to be back. Thank you for listening to College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. As I said early in the show, make sure you're subscribed. iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Music, Amazon Music, YouTube, whatever. And make sure, uh, you know, share, share with some friends if you like the show. But let's get back to the slate. Uh, and this game that I'm going to get to next, I would argue to me, is the most puzzling. You know that gif of Zach Galifianakis with all the numbers coming at him? It's from The Hangover, and he's, you know, he's crunching, you know, he's counting cards and doing everything in Vegas. That's how I feel looking at LSU as a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Mississippi State. The over-under is 57 in this game, um, and I, I just don't know what to make of this. Uh, noon kickoff, it's worth mentioning, Eastern time, 11 a.m. Central. Don't know if that will be a factor in one way or the other. Don't know if the cowbells are any less loud in the morning, but it's worth noting, early kickoff here, um, and it's also worth noting Mississippi State coming off that crushing loss to Memphis. Weird call that went against them. Special teams, they probably win the game otherwise. And so again, it's kind of what I just said with Florida. How is the psyche after a devastating loss that frankly they probably, in a game that they probably should have won? Also worth mentioning with Mississippi State, like to me, what's really fascinating about them, their defense is ahead of their offense right now. They're ranked 45th nationally in total defense. Played a good NC State team the other day, were held to 24 total points, just 71st in total offense throughout the season. Now, I will say, they are they are throwing the ball really well, especially last week. They went over 400 yards against Memphis, so maybe they are finally hitting their groove. But remember, that offense really struggled last year, um, and there was a lot of talk about, you know, can you run the air raid against the SEC uh, defenses and athletes that the SEC has? Uh, now, the one team they did run the air raid really well against was LSU last year. Basically got Bo Politi fired in week one uh, as, uh, who was it, KJ Costello set an SEC record for passing. But this is a different LSU team, different scheme. But I'll say this, I, I think we're still going to learn a lot about LSU as well. Um, you know, we all, the last time most of us saw LSU was that UCLA game a few weeks ago. They got ran all over. They got physically dominated at the line of scrimmage. 
But they appear to be moving in the right direction since then. Now, they've only beaten McNeese State. They've only beaten Central Michigan. But I'll tell you this, Central Michigan played uh, Missouri a few weeks ago. LSU was much better against Central Michigan than Missouri was. Max Johnson appears to be coming into his own as a quarterback. I have never personally been a huge fan, but five, uh, 400 yards passing last week, just about a little under 400 yards, 10, 10 yards per completion, five touchdowns against Central Michigan. So he's getting into his groove. The big question is now, can LSU find a running game? 120th nationally in rushing yards. And this is one, you know, if you're Coach O, like you want to keep your job, and I'm not a big, like, we got to fire Coach O right now. He did just win a national championship. You want to keep your job. This is a game you got to win, man. This is a game you got to win. And so to me, I think what this comes down to is, you know, can LSU move the ball, especially via run against a good Mississippi State defense? How improved is LSU's defense? Are they going to have a, any way to stop Mississippi State uh, with that air raid offense? I don't know. But this is one, like I said, kind of, I, I got my Zach Galifianakis, I just don't even know what to make of this game. And this is one thing I've always told you guys from the beginning. I'd love to sit here and hit a, a thousand, excuse me, hit a thousand percent on all my picks. I'd love to have incredible analysis on every game. This is one I just don't have any great feel for coming in. Another one I don't really have a great feel for, and I'm just being totally transparent. I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, push anything on you guys that, that I don't believe in myself. Kentucky... A five-point favorite at South Carolina. It opened at five and a half, down to five. 48 and a half is the over-under. And it's kind of been a, you know, Kentucky's just, just an interesting team because every game for them is a little bit different. Game one, they play UL Monroe. Will Levis throws the ball all over the field. The offense looks crazy dynamic. Game two, they play um, Missouri in an SEC game. It's much more of a run-based game, over 300 yards of total offense. Wandale Robinson's awesome. Chris R Rodriguez is awesome. And then last week, it all fell apart against Chattanooga. Talked about it a little bit on Monday's show, but it got so bad that their offensive coordinator actually apologized publicly to his team, said he let his whole team down in that game and so this is just going to be an interesting game to see who Kentucky is one thing worth noting on Kentucky they do play real defense they have always played great defense under Mark Stoops and this season is no different you look at the stats they're 21st nationally in total defense 274 yards per game allowed uh, and they're, they're doing what they need to do on the defensive side of the ball and so this one will be interesting South Carolina to me is a fascinating team in its own right I've said it I don't think they're very talented I think they play pretty hard for Shane Beamer, though. I think they play pretty hard for Shane Beamer against Georgia. Uh, by the way, I miss on a lot. I did nail it perfectly, though, last week with the Georgia-South Carolina game. I said, uh, you know, that, that backdoor kind of scares me for Georgia last week, and it did. South Carolina scored late. Uh, by the way, I love the Shane Beamer rant. The Shane Beamer rant about, you know, what did Georgia do to, 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 to beat you guys up at the line of scrimmage? He's like, I don't know. They have 78 five-stars along the line of scrimmage. That may have played a role. Either way, South Carolina, they play hard. I think they're limited, especially offensively. Um, don't tell you what to do. I would probably lean under more than anything else in this game. It just feels like a game that's going to be back and forth, and I just don't know how much talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball, South Carolina has. I'm a bit of a believer in Shane Beamer. I'm more high on him now than I was probably the day the hire was made. But again, 
you know, it's the most cliche saying in sports, but sometimes it's not about the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I just don't know that they have enough of them right now. South Carolina, I think they're going to struggle against the top half of the SEC all season long, and I do think Kentucky is in that top half. Let's transition to some other games, other conferences outside of the SEC. How about them clubs and Tigers? 10-point favorite at NC State, went down to 9.5, it's back up to 10, over-under is 48. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this game because ultimately, look, I crushed Clemson on Monday's Aaron Torres podcast. I crushed Clemson on this podcast Monday. And I, there's nothing else to say. They haven't played a game since last week. But the, deep, the offense isn't very good right now. 114th nationally in total offense, 93rd in rushing yards. And they're really struggling to move the ball. And this is a game, I think none of us think that they're one of the top four teams right now, that they're a serious playoff contender. Um, and if they're going to lose a game, this might be the game where it happens. Uh, because NC State is a pretty decent team, top 20 defense, play really well at home, um, and they're a good team. They're probably the third, I would say, behind North Carolina, probably the third best team in the ACC. I'd put them a little bit ahead of Miami. Um, So look, like like they're a good team, but if you're going to bet NC State, a couple things. We know Clemson isn't very good moving the ball, and NC State plays real defense, top 20 defense, as I said. One thing worth noting, NC State... Uh, Their star linebacker, Peyton Wilson, really talented player, one of the nation's top tacklers last year. He was lost a few weeks ago for the season to a knee injury, so he is done. That will affect this game. The other thing with NC State, I'm just going to warn you, they turn the ball over a ton. Five turnovers in three games this year, 96 nationally in turnover margin last year, 126th nationally in turnover margin in 2019. And so look, you know, I'm not telling you where to go either way. This is a game that I could see Clemson covering the 10. I could see Clemson losing outright. But when you bet games, you know, and listen, just to be clear, I am as guilty of this as anybody. When you bet a game and you lose, oh, it's somebody else's fault. How did it? Just be careful. If you're betting on NC State, know that they turn the ball over a ton. Clemson has a very opportunistic defense. You get a team that's a little loose with the ball. You get a team that's an opportunistic defense. That could be 7, 10, 14 points the other way. Just keep it in mind, not telling you what to do. Again, if Clemson loses outright, I wouldn't be surprised, but just be wary of that. Staying in the ACC, I think this is a really interesting game between Louisville and Florida State. I really do. Louisville's a two-point favorite over under 62.5, and I just don't know what to make of this game. You know, it's interesting, Louisville, uh, it's amazing what one play can do do to a career, can do to a trajectory of a program. You know, Nick Coffey, my buddy who hosts radio in Louisville, he came on the Aaron Torres podcast last week, and he said, you know, uh, he's not a, he wasn't a fan of Scott Satterfield. The, the fan base was really starting to turn on Scott Satterfield. Pick six to win the game against Central Florida. Everybody loves him again. Um, but if they don't get that pick six, are they a two-point favorite at Florida State? Maybe they are. I don't know. On the flip side with Florida State, it's worth noting, uh, you know, 0-3, we get it. Um, but, like, let's be honest about that 0-3 with Florida State. Easily could have beaten Notre Dame, and maybe Notre Dame just isn't very good. That can definitely be part of it. But they did take Notre Dame to overtime. They did lose to Jacksonville State on the final play of the game. And last week against Wake Forest, this isn't an excuse. Six turnovers against Wake Forest. Now, six turnovers ain't good, but... You know, if that's three turnovers instead of six, it's a completely different ball game. Now, with Florida State, it's worth noting, um, you know, Jordan Travis, who's kind of their QB1 or their co-starter, whatever, he's a little bit banged up. We don't know if he is going to play. Mackenzie Milton may start in this game. So, 
QB problems, all that stuff. I would lean Florida State here, but again, one, I don't push my opinions on you. Two, more importantly, and I think it's something to consider. This is just going to be a wild game one way or the other. I do think, though, that Florida State 0-3 is probably a little deceptive relative to what everybody expects. I'm just trying to think of the other games that are on the, the docket this weekend. You know, as it pertains to uh, the ACC, uh, by the way, one more really interesting game with the ACC, Boston College hosting Missouri. Boston College, a two-point underdog at home. A lot of people like Boston College this year, so that's kind of an interesting one. I know Missouri is an SEC team, got that SEC bias maybe, but Boston College being a two-point underdog at home was very surprising to me to see. Let's get to the Big 12 really quick. So I'll tell you one game that really kind of caught my attention. Baylor as a seven-point home underdog against Iowa State. I know what you're thinking. Torres, Iowa State, lost to Iowa. Iowa's really good. Iowa State's really good. No problem. Here's my thought on this game. Couple things. One, Baylor is a team, I talked about this type of team a lot in the preseason, both on the Aaron Torres podcast and in the lead-up to week one on this show. And what I said is this. Because of COVID last year, you have to almost throw away a lot of team seasons a year ago. And I do believe Baylor was one of those teams. Baylor was a team, remember, Dave Aranda, first-year head coach going into last year, had zero spring practice, didn't get to know his guys away from the facility, and they struggled last year. They weren't very good. And then in the middle of the year, by the way, they had a one-month COVID pause, which certainly didn't help things. Well, this year they start 3-0, and and how about this for a stat? There's only one team in America that's ranked in the top five nationally in total offense and total defense right now. Know who that team is? Not Georgia. Not Alabama. Not Oregon. Not Penn State. Definitely not UConn. It's the Baylor Bears. And I'll say for Baylor what I said with Auburn last week. When it comes to Baylor, um, you know, the teams that they played aren't very good. Texas State, Texas Southern, and Kansas. But... They beat the three teams they were supposed to in the manner that they were supposed to, and so I give them credit for that. Um, so I think they're, they're they're a good team. The other thing to consider with Baylor that has to be, or the other thing that has to be considered with this game is the Iowa State perspective. And let me explain. I think Iowa State's good. Yes, I yelled and screamed about Brock Purdy a few weeks ago on the Aaron Torres podcast, but I'm over that. But here's a few things with Iowa State. One second straight road game. Last week they played at UNLV. 7.30 Pacific time kickoff, um, 7.30 Pacific time kickoff, 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 Central. Game ended a little bit before 11 Pacific, 1 a.m. Central, which means that team probably got on a plane about 2.30 Central time, probably got back to campus about 6 a.m. Central time, and now they got to get on a plane again to go to Baylor this week? So second straight road game, uh, last week was kind of the revenge game where they took out all their anger with Iowa, and they're going to play a good Baylor team this week. The other thing to consider with Iowa State, I'll tell you this, is that when it comes to Iowa State, um, it is worth noting, they play a lot of close games. You know, Matt Campbell, you know, he kind of plays that NFL style, field position, run game, ball control. It leads to a lot of close games. Six of their 12 games last year were decided by one touchdown or less. Uh, also, of their four road games, take out a game against Kansas, Les Miles at the time, their three other road games all decided by under one score. Something to consider as Iowa State is a seven-point favorite on the road against Baylor. Pac-12, real quick, UCLA, slight favorite at Stanford. Um, listen, I don't think UCLA is a bad football team. 
I know they lost to Fresno State, but if you listen to this show, I told you last week, Fresno State can throw the ball. Jake Heiner can throw the ball. Um, and what that leads to is a situation where they can throw the ball. UCLA is not very good with the pass defense. Uh, so I think they bounce back. I think they bounce back. I think we get a really good effort from them. Stanford's another one that has had done a ton of travel. Think about Stanford's schedule. This is actually their first home game this year. So they opened in Dallas or Houston or wherever they played against Kansas State. Clearly a game just to go play a neutral site game, do some, you know, get make some inroads in the Texas recruiting. Um, you, you, you lose that game, come back to Stanford, then go to L.A., play USC, win that game. Then last week, you go to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. So three straight weeks, either a neutral site or true road game. This is their first home game, but that's a lot of travel for three weeks. I think we get the best version of UCLA. I think Stanford is fired up for this game as well. Uh, a couple other Pac-12 after dark things. Uh, USC, you know, USC, they're playing Oregon, 10-point favorite. Uh, real quick, just stay away to me. You know, uh, the emotion of last week is gone. Keaton Slovis is back. He's expected to start. I think that's a little surprising given how well Jackson Dart played last week. Uh, so I would probably stay away from that one. Finally, Arizona State, Colorado. Colorado, you know I loved Colorado last week. Whoops. Sorry about that. My bad. Um, Colorado, they're starting their best run. Basically, their whole offense is this running back, Jarek Broussard. Um, he got hurt against AM, barely played. They didn't do anything after he left. Last week, he was very limited against Minnesota. They didn't do anything, lost 30 nothing. They go to an Arizona State team that's pretty upset after losing to BYU last week. They lose to BYU. They actually outgained them. Four turnovers in that game, a game that I think they probably think they should win. Spread is 14 and a half. I think they come out focused. Also worth noting, by the way, Arizona State played really sloppy in their game before that against UNLV, specifically in the first half. So we're talking about basically... Six of the last eight quarters they've played, they've been sloppy. I think they clean it up on Saturday against Colorado. All right, I think that's it for college football betting with Air Torres. That's 35 minutes of college football goodness. Before we get out of here, make sure that you're subscribed to college football betting with Aaron Torres, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. Uh, make sure to follow Aaron Torres online for all my picks. Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. Aaron Torres pod on Instagram. Final thing, if you like NFL betting, picking pigskin winners. Picking pigskin winners, John Frisella, Wes Easley, they are part of the Aaron Torres media network. They do really good work. Picking pigskin winners if you want some NFL gambling coverage. But that is all for today's college football betting show. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody has a great week. Hope everybody enjoys the game. I will be back on Monday, breaking down week five. Where's the season going, party people? See you soon.